Hey mama, is the number one dream in your heart to have more time to be present with your kids? Do you wish you could be present enough to help create and instill godly character? Yet you are so busy with work, drowning in the to-dos, the laundry, and the carpool lines. Hi, I'm Michelle, a mom to three energetic kids, wife to an amazing guy, and daughter of the king. For years, I tried to manage my home while struggling to still have time to pour into my kids. The guilt was overwhelming and the to-do list just kept growing. And I was completely overwhelmed and stressed until I realized that I could create systems in my life and my motherhood that would change everything. In this podcast, you will learn time management, batching, habit stacking, setting boundaries, home organization, outsourcing, and you better believe we are going to be dishing out some chores so we can create hours of intentional time to pour into our kids since that is our number one priority as vibrant moms. Grab that lukewarm coffee. Let's stop time. Hello, friends. I have a special treat today. I'm going to be talking with Arlene Pelicane. She is the author of such books as Screen Kids, Parents Rising, and her newest book, Calm and Collected. She is a huge advocate for less screen time. She is just an incredible Christian mom who has three kiddos and lives in San Diego. And I love hearing her speak about technology, her wisdom that she brings to the table and her humor are so much fun. So I can't wait for you to listen up and hear our conversation all about screen time and boundaries and fun things. So let's dive in. Today, we have one of my favorite authors, Arlene. And she has an amazing podcast episode all about incredible internet stuff and fun home things. Your podcast is called Happy Home. Is that right? That's right. The Happy Home. You got it. Yeah, I love it. So today we're going to talk about your new book I'm super excited about. And can you tell people a little bit about yourself and where you are and all the things? Yeah. So I live in San Diego. My husband, James, and I have been married coming up on 24 years. We've got three kids that used to be very, very small, but now they are, my youngest is Lucy. She's an eighth grader. I've got a junior in high school, Noel, and then I've got a freshman at Cal Poly Pomona, Ethan. So we've got one college student this year. And one thing that we really are passionate about and that we love is the reason and I call it the happy home is I think that if children and parents and husband and wife come from a happy home, it just gives them a great stability in life, a great place of refuge in life, a sounding board. It just cures so many ills if you can come from a happy home and you don't have to be a perfect home. And that happiness isn't, it doesn't come from everybody getting what they want. That's not what a happy home is about. 
a happy home is when God is honored and when children are listening to parents instead of the other way around, you know, so kind of the things are, are back in order. And what you'll find is there's a lot of joy when that happens. And so we kind of found through our own lives that if we were to limit technology, that that would make our home a lot happier. So one of our claims to fame, one of those like, no, you didn't is, you know, we didn't give our kids smartphones until the summer before college. That's what my son has experienced and have lived to tell that it's a really, really good way to live. <laughs> so that's just something about us. And then I think we're talking about my book, Calm, Cool, and Connected, Five Digital Habits for a More Balanced Life, because a lot of times it's not the kids. We think like, oh, it's those children. They're always on the phone or, oh, it's those teenagers. They won't look up. And then the teenagers and the kids are like, yeah, but mom, you're the one always on your phone. So this book, Calm, Cool, and Connected is really kind of a mirror back to us. And what are some better habits that we could have to model to our kids and also kind of enjoy for ourselves. I love that. And it is so easy in our world right now. Everything's online. You're looking for tickets online. You're pulling up information online. I mean, your calendars online, your emails online, everything, every communication is online. And so you feel very connected to your phone, even if you're not using it for scrolling or the negative things you get into, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I call that digital vegetables and digital candy. So even if you're on vegetables all the time, and it is all the more reason when you're not doing those things that you're actually having fun, maybe offline, because all those things you talked about, it's like, yeah, you're holding a phone or you're in front of a computer when you're doing all of those things. So when it comes to talking to a friend or having date night with your husband or going out with your kids, all the more reason, like, why are you still (laughs) on your computer? Like we've already spent a lot of time with our phones. That's so true to think about if you think about your day and think about, okay, I've already been on the phone for work or I've been on my computer right? and looking at a screen for this many hours, why am I still looking at a screen when my kids come home, when, you know, my husband wants to interact? Yeah, there's one part in it. Is your spouse more interesting than your phone? You know, that's one of the little headings in the book. And it is a funny question because, of course, when you were first married, you know, when my husband and I were dating, we would be able to just stare at each other for hours. You know, you just like sit on a couch and just talk to each other and just stare at each other. We're even kissing or anything. We're just like looking at each other. And we laugh because during the courting time, that's so easy to do. And now if your spouse looked at you for any period of time, you'd be like, what? Do I have like something on my face? Like, (laughs) why are you staring at me? me. So we used to find our spouses so interesting, but now what do we look at? We look at our phones because our phone has something new, something timely, something we must know or whatever, you know, and to realize, wait a minute, my spouse is really, truly more interesting than my phone. And if I don't really believe that, then I need to like relook at my spouse again. (laughs) Right. I think that's so important just to realize because it's where we're placing our energy and our time. Yeah. And so when you're not looking up at your husband, you're not making eye contact with him or your kids or whatever. You're saying, not verbally, but you're saying, what I'm doing now on my phone is more important. Yes. Yeah. And those nonverbals, you hear all those different statistics, whether it's 94% or 80%, but most of your communication is nonverbal. And so if you're looking down at your phone and that just happens once in a while, that's not a big deal. But if your spouse or your kids or your mom or your sister, every time they talk to you, you're looking at your phone or a lot of times that they talk to you, you're looking at your phone, that's going to send a message that this phone is more important than you. And that's not a message we ever intentionally want to send. 
So true. Now in that, I'm sure you address this in your book, but kind of what are some ways that we as parents can intentionally check ourselves and be reminded to, as you said, look up. Yes. I like that. That question is great. You know, when I was writing my books, it wasn't like I was writing longhand on paper. I was using a computer and my kids thought that was so funny. Like, Oh mom, you're writing screen kids and you're writing about technology and use a computer. That's so funny. You know? So obviously there is legitimate work being done on a computer, but something that really helped me was just the idea of a pivot and what a pivot is, you know, my office is in my loft. And so when the kids come up the stairs, I hear them coming up the stairs. And when they pop up at the top of the stairs, they could see me staring at my computer and I could just say like, hey, how's it going? What do you guys need? Or I could turn my chair to meet their gaze as they came up the stairs, look at them in the eye and say, hey, you guys, what do you need? Okay, great. I need 15 more minutes to finish up this chapter and then I will be back. So that pivot, like physically turning your face from a phone, from a computer, moving your chair a little, looking at the person you're talking to, that makes a huge, huge difference. It doesn't take any more time, but if you can tell yourself, I will pivot away when someone comes into my airspace and they talk to me, I won't just keep looking down at my device and talk. I will literally pivot away and look at them. And that's going to make a big difference. So teach your kids this, teach your teenagers this. Hey, when I talk to you, pivot, like pivot up from your screen and look at me because I'm a living, breathing human being and my feelings can get hurt and your phone's feelings can't get hurt. So look at me, train your kids to do that and then hold each other accountable. You can tell your kids and your teens like, okay, you can tell mom, mom, hello, pivot. I mean, the kids love to do that. They love to catch their moms doing the stuff that the moms are always razzing them about. So for your kids also to be able to have that freedom to say, mom, pivot, look at me, look at, I'm talking to you, mom. So I think that kind of playful accountability is good to say, Hey, in our home, we want to look at each other when we talk to each other. So use that as something that is part of your vocabulary in your home and then make those screen-free mealtimes are very important. That mealtime is so, it's so simple, like eat together without phones and talk to each other and try to make it pleasant. Like it's not a business meeting. It's not like a, you're in trouble for this meeting. It's not a detail meeting. It's actually, you're trying to get to know each other. Like what made you laugh today? Did anything make you sad today? Oh, did you ever hear the story about when daddy and I first met? That's what dinner is supposed to be like. So make dinner screen free. So if you can pivot, look at people in your own home, you can have the screen free meal time. And then I encourage you not to have your phone be like the first thing you look at and the last thing you look at because those bookends like at the beginning of the day it just throws you into a state of mind that's like I'm already behind and I haven't even woken up so not to look at your phone first thing and then not to look at your phone last thing so those are good boundaries to put in place as an adult that you can pass on to your kids yeah I love that I love the idea of not looking at it first and last I tend to do the first one like I don't look at it in the beginning of the morning I just leave and run off to the gym, but I definitely look at it before bed and just relax. And I find that I don't sleep as well because you're thinking your brain is like still going with all the information. Yeah. You've just dumped into it. Yeah. I love the idea of pivoting like physically and also making it playful and like a playful accountability, like, Oh, me for us, we keep all the electronics downstairs in Mm -hmm. A bucket and yeah. that's where they live so yes. they don't go <laughs> they don't go to the kids rooms 
all electronics are like in the kitchen in a big yep. public space where everybody's walking by. It's a wonderful rhythm. It's such a good habit. Cause just think if you go to bed and you know, someone's going to text me or someone's going to call me, what do you do? You lay in bed waiting for that text mm-hmm. or that call. Like you literally do not go to sleep or let's say sometimes when I have to leave for the airport and I know, okay, my alarm's going to turn on at three 30 or four o'clock in the morning. I'm just waiting for it. I'm just like, okay, is it all time yet? And it's the same thing when we put a device in our kid's room, they go to sleep, but they're like, okay, who's going to text me? Who's going to reach out to me? Who's going to post on Instagram? Who am I going to watch game tonight? Like they're thinking and they cannot go to sleep. And so it's so important, even if you have a teenager to say, hey, you're growing. I want you to have the best shot possible of being healthy. So I know your friends might sleep with their phone right next to their bed, but you just need to tell them, hey, if I don't text you back, it's not because I don't like you. It's because I have a big, mean mom. So you be the big, mean mom. And I I love that. Just like blame it all on you. Say my mom says I can't have my phone because she wants me to get to sleep. So sorry. And just have you be the fall guy. But that's a really important habit to keep the phone out of your kid's room. Yeah, I've heard lots of statistics of teens being up late at night because they're interested in chatting or they, as you said, are waiting for a text or want to find out information and it is just killing their power. One quick question that pops into mind is, do you have any suggestions on what to do with kids when they, let's say they're working on their homework, yeah, but they also now have like chats in their homework system? with friends that are at school and sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not, but it's like constantly there where they can do homework and chat at the same time. Have you run into that? Yeah, for sure. And that's so common, right? Because people like the education, a lot of schools are just like, oh, let's bring in the technology. This is going to make us so much more whatever, efficient, whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, it's the opposite because, you know, obviously now they can do their homework, but they can also talk to their friends about a million Mm -hmm. things. And then you'll look and you think you've just spent the last 20 minutes and you like kind of look at the thread. It's like talking about nothing. (laughs) Like there's really not anything of substance that has been said here in the last 20 minutes. And you know, and you you can say, well, that's how kids communicate. And that's fine. I don't want to belittle that. But the truth is, these are habits that your child is forming for the rest of their life. And that whole idea of multitasking, it does not work. Your brain really, truly is switching from one task to another. And if you were just able to do your homework, like get your homework done, and then look at the chat for five minutes, get yourself caught up and then be done. That would be in terms of time and efficiency, that would be so much better because you'd get your homework done. You check in the chat. Did I miss anything? I didn't miss anything. I did everything I was supposed to and I'm out versus let's just prolong this as long as possible. And then it's like, oh, you're still doing your homework? Yeah, it's like hour three. Of course, they're still doing their homework because they're just sitting there like going back and forth. So if you have a student who really is kind of conscientious, like they actually care, then a time limit may be helpful to say, you know what, we don't want you spending all your time doing homework after school. And then I know you get super distracted in the chat. Who wouldn't? This isn't. And really tell your kid, it's not you. You haven't done anything wrong. You are not a bad kid. It is just the way this thing is set up. It is literally set up to just eat your time and your attention. And so get your kid understanding that and then let them know, hey, you just let's give you an hour to finish this. And after the hour, you know, you've got to go do something else. And if your kid actually cares, 
that will motivate them to stay more on track. If your kid does not care, then you have to kind of think of ways to make your kid care. You know, what would make your kid care? And that's a deeper issue of how to motivate your child to be able to see, oh, wait a minute, this is my future we're talking about. You can't want it more than your kids. You can't want that homework done more than your kids, especially as they hit middle school and high school. So it really is helping them see, wait, this is my future. These are my options and it's on me. And I think for most kids, once they can really understand that in a loving way, maybe you're taking them to, you know, one thing that we've done with our older kids is jobs that they were interested in. Like at one point, my son now wants to be an engineer, but when he was in middle school, he wanted to be a lawyer. So we're like, okay, let's have our lawyer friend ask him, can Ethan hang out with you all day? And he did. But it was really cute too, because he was like, it was kind of boring mom, you know? (laughs) But all that to say, I'm saying like instill in your child this want of, wait, this is about me. I'm the one who needs to care about this because I want options as I get older. So all those things can tie into technology. So that way the limits are for a reason. I love that. Yeah, we have set limits, but we've noticed that the only way that our daughter communicates with her buddies, her friends, is online and is through the chatting that they have with the school system. They have a chat. So when she's doing homework, she's chatting with them. So we have set time limits of, we understand it's important to connect with your friends and your buddies and you don't have a smartphone. So this is your main source of connection. So we've given like a 30 minute, like, would you like 30 minutes in the middle of your homework session at the beginning, at the end? So that has helped. The only part is the actual homework time usually takes a lot longer because she's so distracted by, as you said, oh, somebody needs help with their math homework or somebody is commenting about something else. And so it's been really hard. We can't turn off the chat. That is an interesting thing because you're so accessible Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's like in the olden days, olden days, you couldn't do that. You just came home and you just did your own homework and then you did something else. But now it's like all these people reaching out to you. Will you help me with this? Did you get that assignment? What's this? So some of it too comes with that boundary of I got to take care of my own stuff first and yes, help your friends as you can, but not feel so responsible because you think of your kids like that's a lot of stress to carry. That's the thing about the online world is there's so many inputs, Mm. like so many people that want a response back. And then so many things that you have to watch to stay up on things. And then so many things to keep up on. So when you get to school the next morning, you're kind of in the loop. It's a lot of honestly stress of, wow, I have to catch up. And that's not even like your normal homework or your normal, like go play tennis or go play soccer or go walk the dog or go do something that you like, go do, you know, something for fun for you. So those are all really good reasons to say, hey, we need less of this. Because honestly, if your kid is chatting, just kind of think of the quality of that versus if they like went out to ice cream together once a week and they went to the mall together or something like that. Like I'm sure they'd get to know each other a lot better and deeper if they spent a half an hour once a week together, like in real life doing something versus kind of chatting the whole time. But that's the systemic. That's not like your daughter's thing. That's just like how this generation is communicating. And it really is funny that we're so technologically advanced, but our communication is stunted. Like it's way better to talk to someone in real life, person to person. Like that's so much more advanced than just these little texts that are like, yeah, emoji, two words. It's a funny thing. And we really need to reignite our kids to say, no, there's something better than this. There's a better way to communicate. 
Right. And I think that overall, a lot of communication has been stifled of that. They're not learning a lot of face-to-face communication. They're not learning different cues. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that you pick up on if it's face-to-face versus sending emojis and, hey, blah, blah, blah. Totally. Yes. Yeah. The brain is learning all those things. And so that's why sometimes you think, why is this person like in their 20s, but they seem so not intuitive. Like they're not really Mm -hmm. queuing in on these things because it takes practice. It takes practice to realize, oh, this person is stressed or this person's about to explode or this person is sad. You know, that takes practice to watch them and to kind of learn those things. And to check their physical communication, their eye communication. And you said to pick up, oh, that wasn't, they're taking this a wrong way. Maybe they had a bad day. (laughs) Right, right. I'm very amazed that you did your amazing deed of giving your kids cell phones right before they went to college. Uh, One question that comes up is there's not much of a learning curve with that to learn their phone or learn positive habits and using their phone before they go to college. Yeah. They just get it. Did you... That's a super good question and a common question. So my son, Ethan, he got his the summer before he went to college Mm. and his learning curve. Now, what I will say about in terms of learning curve, things are very easy to learn. Technology is so easy to learn. So you give an iPad to a two-year-old and they like do stuff and you're like, I didn't even know I could do that. So (laughs) in terms of technology being hard to learn, it's very easy. So let's just put that up out front that it's not like my son has been on paper the whole time. Like he's been on a laptop from school from seventh grade. You know what I mean? So it's not like, what is this phone and what do I do with it? And truly the things you could access on your phone, you can access bad things also, obviously on a laptop or on an iPad, et cetera. So that discipline of how do I use this device, that's already being worked on. So it's not like, oh, I gave you this phone and now you have to start from ground zero. It's like, no, I gave you this phone and you've had a laptop and a computer and a tablet, you know, all school issued and then also a central one at home, you've been training this whole time of how do I use this thing wisely? And it's really the discernment and you're trying to give your child more time to develop discernment without the temptation of that phone in their pocket. Because the phone in the pocket, that's like a slot machine. It's like what's there. And obviously at the worst, there's pornography and there's exploitation and there's bullying. So at the worst, but even at its best, there is you're looking at it way too much. You're wasting your time, et cetera. So really putting off that phone is so they can develop more discernment without the temptation of that phone being always with them. And then my husband did say afterwards, we're like, yeah, maybe the last semester of the senior year, but it was more for what we call the Mr. Magoo effect. I, you guys are way too young to remember Mr. Magoo. He's like a blind, clueless cartoon that would just like kind of run into things. Well, because Ethan will like, he'll leave his phone somewhere or he'll jump in the water with his phone in his pocket or he'll like do things like that that are like, no, no, like you don't do that. You've got a phone now. So it was more like, oh man, now I have this thing that I need to be responsible for. That's what we found was more of the learning curve. But you know, again, he killed one phone in the waterfalls at Yosemite. So one phone is gone. (laughs) Thankfully, it was my old phone that I had given him. And so he's done pretty well with the new phone that he got after that. So that is that. But I will tell you like, so my girl that's a junior, who's very intuitive, she's smart, she's very 
current and modern like she's not like this dowdy like little shy girl like she has strong opinions she's a great girl but she's like mom because i told her i asked her you know we've been thinking about it maybe your senior year if you want to get a smartphone we can talk about that and she said mom i really don't want to get one until the summer before college like i really don't want one until i quote unquote need one and even then She's questioning and she understands it from a privacy point of view. Like, why do I want all the tech companies following me around, knowing everything about me, knowing every buying pattern that I have? Why do I want that? So she is more from an independent standpoint of why do I want that so much surveillance in my life? So she can see that. So I really, truly think that you have to be wise about this. You have to know your kids. And obviously they've seen you as adults use your phone. So I really doubt that there's some kid that's like, I've never seen this before. I don't know what to do with it. You know, they know what to do with it. And if you feel like, yeah, I I want them to have a social media platform while they're in my house and to be able to talk about it, then do that the semester before they go to college. Have those kinds of conversations because that really does look like, hey, child of mine, sit next to me while I go through my Instagram feed. Okay, let's talk and then just chat about like these. This is why I follow these people. This is what I do when I come across something that's inappropriate. This is what I do. Chris McKenna at Protect Young Eyes, he talks about practicing, like literally practicing with your child. You sit next to each other. You say, okay, let's say you're scrolling and now you've seen like this photograph, this totally inappropriate. What do you do? And so they literally practice because it's going to happen. So they practice like saying, oh, okay, I'm going to turn away from that. And I'm going to go tell somebody like, hey, I saw this thing because it takes the shame out of it because it's again, it's not your kid's fault. And to really really talk with them about that. This is not your fault that this stuff is being shoved your way. That's not your fault. And we're here to support you and to help you so you can have discernment of what's going to be healthy for you and what's going to be unhealthy for you. I love that idea of sitting next to them because you would, as a parent, you do that with a lot of other things. You sit yes, next to them and like driving. Yes. And figure that out. And this is how you use this new device. Let's sit together and work through this. Yeah. I love the idea of just modeling it of Let's scroll through Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, whatever the newest one is at that point. And like figure out right. which, one, which one, what are we doing? And what do you think of this? And when you read this comment that all your friends are over at this other place and you're not there, how does that make you feel? How do yeah. you to interact with that and be able to just role play almost with that? Yeah is super helpful. That's a great idea because we do that with other things or with when your children are little and, you know, you don't want them to go to a stranger, you can role play. I'm a stranger, you know, sure. Exactly. No, it's true. And really, and it can seem daunting, but just think to yourself, I'll do this for five minutes. Cause I think sometimes we think it's so complicated. I'm never going to get around to that. I just don't do it. Like in reality, like I'm too tired. I'm not going to do it. But if you'll just spend five minutes, just, you know what? I mean, it literally even set the timer and be like, Hey, let's do this for five minutes. It will start that conversation. They'll be really important. I love that. Just the idea of, cause it does seem overwhelming. It's almost like when you, have to introduce some um, sex to your kids and you talk through it exactly. all and you're thinking it's this big huge conversation and it's gonna take hours and all this stuff right and your kid's like please let it not take hours yeah but right. to have like shorter more frequent conversations exactly exactly i love that it's so true that they are learning all these other devices and how to manage their time i think that's the biggest one of as you said screens are vying for their time they're vying for your attention and you have to figure out are you gonna look at facebook or are you gonna be doing your homework are you gonna be 
chatting with your buddies? Are you going to be doing this? And they have already instilled that and are starting to learn that before they get a phone. Absolutely. So they have something to compare it to. That's really important. If they get a phone really early, that's the only social interaction they know. But if they have something to compare it to, then it's like, oh, this is really not as good as the other way. Right. I love that idea of holding off. I've heard not till eighth grade. I love thinking about doing it longer. Or even as your daughter had mentioned, she wants more privacy. Yeah. She's like, I can look up all this stuff on my computer when I want. I don't need... Somebody knowing where I am. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's so awesome. Another question that I was thinking about is what do you do? This might pertain a little bit more to your book, the most recent one, the calm, cool and collected, but what do you do when your husband or your spouse or even a relative or someone is always on their phone and is looking at their phone? How do you kind of communicate to them or discuss it like that might not be a good idea without hurting their feelings oh it's so true no one likes to be told what they're doing wrong like nobody wants that Mm -hmm. right and nobody likes to get scolded nobody likes to get shamed all those things so I think that you think about it first you don't just charge in there have the conversation when everyone is fed and happy don't make it a big long thing but just hey you know I've been thinking I kind of miss our conversations I notice that you're on the phone a lot so maybe after dinner or maybe as a habit, or ask them questions. Like, do you feel like you are more disconnected because of the time you're spending online? Because a lot of times they will feel that too. But I think if it comes as a, I want to spend more time with you, I miss you. And it's soft, not like, I miss you. Where are you? You're never here for me. You know, it's going to pull people away from you. Or just something very casual. You know, it's something I've just noticed that for all of us, like put yourself in there too. For all of us, we've been on our phone so much and I do it all the time and I'm trying to get better at it. What do you think about that? And kind of hear what they have to say. And most likely they have not even thought of it. They don't even think it's a problem, you know, those kinds of things. And so sometimes it could be uh, like a wake up call. I know for grandparents, because a lot of grandparents are on the phone a lot because it's kind of this new thing and they feel like they have to text back right away. So a lot of times the grandparents will be on it a lot. And if a grandchild says, grandma, I want to talk to you, but you're on the phone a lot. Like sometimes that grandparent will be like, wow, I didn't even realize that I was doing that. And that could be, I feel like from a grandparent to a grandchild, I feel like the grandchild can totally call them out and be like, grandma, you're on the phone a lot where an adult child couldn't do that. But the grandchild I think can, I think has that kind of relationship to say, wow, you're on the phone a lot. You're even worse than me. And have, have them like have a little contest of who can look at it less when they're together or something like that. I love that idea because it's so true. I find for my mom and other people, other older, right? uh, they think they have to look at the phone. Yes. Like it buzzed. What is it? I have to look at it instead of. Isn't that funny? I found the same thing. Instead of like learning, you don't have to, you can just leave it. You doesn't need to be answered right away. Yeah. I think it's part of technology changing so fast and also being in a different season of life. They have more time. Yeah. My mom lives by herself, so she doesn't have any kids or anybody else vying for her time. Right. So they just develop habits of, oh, of course I just check my phone. Does it ring? Yes. Well, I love that idea of just being soft and just coming at the angle of saying, 
I just care about you. I want to spend more time with you. Right. That's hard to say no to. Yeah. Because it's just a much softer, gentler. That's the ultimate thing that you want. (laughs) They could be on their phone forever, but you ultimately want to spend time with them. Yeah. Thank you so much. I hate to keep you going. So I'm going to wrap this up, but did you have any other thoughts or things you wanted to tell us about your book? And then also where can people find you? Cause you are such an amazing author and I just, I love your podcast and everything. Yeah. You can just go to my name, ArlenePelicane.com, ArlenePelicane.com. And there you'll find the different books I've written. So if you have kids and you just need help with them to understand what's happening in their brain, like what's going on screen kids, I would highly recommend that. If it's for us, we're the ones like, oh, we love our phone way too much. Then Calm, Cool and Connected is your book. And you can find these on Amazon or wherever it is that you buy books. And then my podcast is called The Happy Home. And when you go to ArlenePelican.com, you can also find all sorts of free resources like quizzes is my child getting too much screen time, things like that. I love it. I love that you're just providing that resource because it's not going to go away and it's just getting bigger and bigger to everything is becoming more online. So I think it's so important to just learn how are you going to deal with it? Because it's not, it's not going anywhere. Right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Michelle. Did this podcast bless you? Did you learn something new? Did this podcast encourage you? Please leave our mom a review. Pretty please. I hope you loved today's episode, friend. I pray it blessed you, encouraged you, or challenged you in some new way that is helping you. If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else that needs community too? I also would love if you could take 30 seconds for me and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know that you are actually enjoying the show and that it is blessing you. Plus, it makes me happy to hear from you. Come on over to our free community, birdmichelle.com and grab your free gifts. I have free productivity programs and everything you need to know about working with me taking my courses or connecting. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode.